When we're young, we move with freedom and confidence, with a great resilience to injury. But somewhere along the line, we develop poor habits and become more vulnerable to back pain. Back Pain Solutions features evidence-based and practical advice to help you take back control of your health and get back to the activities you love. This is your guide to better back health through movement. So join us as we demystify some of the commonly held beliefs about back pain and build your confidence to a stronger back the smart way. So welcome back to the Back Pain Solutions podcast, everybody, with me, Ben James, and as always, my co-host, Jacob Stain. And today, we're talking about the importance of sleep and recovery and overall health and the importance of sleep in overall health with our special guest, Molly McLaughlin. Molly is a creator of Sleep is a Skill, which is a company that optimizes how people sleep through a unique blend of technology, accountability, and behavioral change. Molly's obsession with sleep came after her own experiences when her lifelong poor sleep habits progressed to a challenging bout of insomnia. One of her lowest and scariest moments was experiencing a panic attack in the fabulous Colosseum in Rome in the middle of a tour group. Now, if you've been to the Colosseum, it's it's an expensive place, so no doubt that added anxiety. Well, Molly slept in almost three days and that particular tipping point came on the heels of months of chronic sleep deprivation. She felt embarrassed and ashamed but most of all terrified that it would always be that way. She didn't know what to do or where to turn. Every doctor's conversation or Google search ended in some sort of pill or supplement and she felt like there was no clear path available to calm down her physical anxiety without pill long enough to make sleep normal again. Well, with a background in psychology and human behavior, she went down the rabbit hole herself to solve her sleep disturbances. She became fascinated with chronobiology and its practical applications to restore a state of homeostasis to sleep. For the past three years, she's traveled the world testing sleep quality in different environments across the globe. Knowing the difference between a life with sleep and without, she's dedicated to sharing that forgotten skill of sleep. So what is chronobiology? Why do so many of us struggle with sleep? And why is it even important? And where do you begin if you're struggling with sleep? Well, we shall find out as we welcome onto the show, Molly McLaughlin. Molly, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, thanks for coming on. Appreciate your time. And uh, you said just uh, when we were chatting before, you're in you're in Nevada, but yes. I got the impression that... Uh, from the reading you've been traveling around a little bit is is that uh how long's that been and uh, and how does that affect sleep or are you are you such a pro now that uh you can sleep anywhere ah great question so number one um my boyfriend and i've been traveling for over three years now and um and then essentially we've been traveling internationally and definitely does impact your sleep. And it's very cool to watch. Um, since I have so many trackers that are tracking my sleep, uh, I get to see kind of a cool, almost diary of my life as it is told by my sleep results and my health results and all of that. Uh, so it certainly does make a difference. The place that we're in, um, as it relates and we'll get into that as to the why, but a number of factors go into that, but namely, uh, light exposure, where you are, uh, geographically, uh, humidity levels, you know, certainly the immediate environment that you're in, whether it's a hotel, Airbnb. Um, but there's a lot of cool things that we can do to make a difference with that. And I'm certainly not immune. I just came back from, um, traveling just on the East coast in both New York and Maine and stayed in this little cabin in Maine. And I thought I was going to have amazing sleep because there was no, you know, no cell service, no Wi-Fi. Um, and I, there was moments of that, but I was also, um, there was 
different temperature stuff and, uh, you know, meeting with family and all kinds of things kind of came into play and yeah. my sleep wasn't quite as great as I expected it to be. And so I'd still, um, what's amazing is now having so many tools to pull from to then either help, uh, restore that if it's not quite where you'd want it to be. And I have pretty high standards for my sleep at this point. So, uh, it was, it was great to come back to, you know, get settled and reboot that. Uh, but absolutely, there's so much that we can train to make a difference no matter where we're in uh, geographically. Got it. Okay. And, and I mean, this is a fascinating subject for me, sleep, because uh, again, I mentioned in the intro, I'd had my own experiences of, of insomnia. And just to give you some background, I, when I was training um, background as a chiropractor, pretty intense course, a lot of information, et cetera, et cetera. And it was at the end of, uh, I think, the third year, it was clinic entrance. And I, I just had one particular bad night of sleep. And I'd never had experienced problems before. Um, but I kind of woke up and I was like, well, oh, if, if I can't sleep well, I can't revise. If I can't revise, I fail my exams. And then I just didn't sleep. And it, it was a three months, at least three months of terrible, terrible sleep. I remember being on my lounge floor, on my knees, Banging the banging the floor, yes. which is so embarrassing, but it was so frustrating. This natural natural thing was was just completely uh, it escaped me. And and naturally, I did go to the doctor for a little bit of help, and they said, "Yeah, take these take these pills." And I think it was diazepam, muscle relaxant. Yep. And I thought, "Well, we'll give it a go." Got me off to sleep, but you know, I could wait ten minutes later. And within a few days, I threw them in the bin. I said, "Never again." And I kind of just accepted it. And in time things things settled but even now i was saying to jake before you know there's almost a memory there there's a subconscious there that if i have a bad episode or there's something going on in my mind then i can have periods of bad sleep but at least i know i can sleep again if that makes sense is there is there a subconscious component is there a memory component to to it do you think and uh and what are your thoughts on that oh absolutely well one i feel for you and it's so relatable um certainly i think many people often experience some sort of period where their sleep isn't quite as, you know, great as they might have come accustomed to or something that they're used to. Uh, and then for some of us also that experience of true kind of, uh, insomnia and then for others really chronic long lasting insomnia. So, uh, there's a spectrum, but often all of us can relate in some way, shape or form to, a, you know, kind of a sleepless night and the frustration upset around that. Um, and so, there does tend to be a lot of um, kind of psychological components that certainly obviously go into that. That was the source of my, um, you know, period of insomnia and it had not come from a vacuum. I was already kind of running my life ragged, uh, burning the candle at both ends, living in the middle of Manhattan and, um, you know, going to bed as a, basically as the sun was rising for a period of time. And then just thinking, uh, you know, over time that that was, okay or justified because I could make my own hours and yet not respecting how much, you know, that just was not working for my body or my mind and what that was doing on a psychological perspective. Uh, so I do think, yeah, there can be a real fear developed. And one of the fears that I was having was, oh no, now I have sleep anxiety. Uh, and which, you know, and People, you can Google that one and you can Google sleep phobias and there's all kinds of things that, um, you know, on the more extreme side of uh, the spectrum that people can start to have that concern. Oh, no, I'm going to go back to that. Uh, so then we can yeah. start to pull that apart and 
ultimately get grounded in the fact that the body is going to really pull for homeostasis, pull for sleep, um, and that often we're the ones that kind of can get in the way of that and by a number of things that we do, which we'll get into um, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I I have to interrupt and say I remember that time when Ben was not sleeping so well because I was there, as Ben knows. We were uh, study partners, and Ben is a very good student, so he... I think he didn't get a lot of sun those days. He was inside the library from sunrise to sunset. So, and he didn't have um, that library. <laughs> and you had what? What was that? He didn't have windows. The library. Oh, did didn't it? have a. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, it was a very dark library, and um, it's an old little chapel actually. And uh, I think um, we never thought about this, Ben, but I, that might have had something to do with it. It, yeah, quite possibly. I think the, the kind of vitamin D element I know has uh, has been an interesting uh, yeah. topic for you, Jacob. And and back to what yeah. you were saying, Molly, about the, the kind of there was I, I was definitely getting physiological responses, and I, I would go into the room and I would look at the bedroom, and my heart rate would start to go up because I yes. was just if I was fearful of the bedroom because place that, yeah. that I hated. Um, that was I remember you telling me that. Yeah, and it was really quite. Yeah, it's a frightening and a very lonely place. Uh, Well, I so, you know, I've been doing this year alone. I've done like 65 different podcasts on sleep um, with with other people on other people's podcasts. And you're one of the first hosts that has gone into detail um, about your own experience. And I really appreciate that because I think it's you're bringing me back to my days of that. And so many clients that I'll work with that, you know, might still be in the um, in the depths of that. And so I really appreciate that because it's so in the moment, it's so visceral, it's so real and scary and alone. And sometimes just embarrassing and upsetting. And, you know, you start future tripping around, is this always going to be the case for, is this my new reality? That was certainly my concern, one of the many concerns. So it's a real big deal. And then becomes, um, debilitating for the person or can feel debilitating. Um, you know, of how am I going to get all the things done that I need to get done when I haven't, you know, gotten any sleep, haven't restored myself. So uh, it's a very important topic. And on the plus side, I think the really huge thing to come back to and get grounded in is that there is so much we can do. That was a big deal for me of getting back into the driver's seat. Um, And so now, even if there will be different times when oh no, I'm not, you know, I'm not tired at my normal time. Why am I not tired at my normal time? Ah, instead of the the yeah. freak out that I might have, you know, had in the past that I know that there's so many things that I can call upon that really gives me a sense of peace um, in that moment. So, and we can get into all of those things, but it, I think it's really yeah, important. I'm, I'm really curious, actually. Yes. Okay. Well, so a couple of things, um, starting on that topic of uh, one of the things that I got obsessed with was this topic of, um, you know, chronobiology and really the science of time. And what's so fascinating about that, even if you're someone that's listening and like, okay, well, this is extreme. I don't, I'm not afraid of the bedroom or all that sort of stuff. Um, Even if you're not like that, if you didn't experience what I had and, you know, a little bit of what um, Ben had spoken to, then you might still want to ensure that you're optimizing your health and well-being, productive, cognitively intact. Um, I work with a lot of athletes or, you know, um, uh, particularly a lot of, you know, professional poker players and need to be cognitively intact at the table for, you know, hours and hours at a time. Um, And for all of us, we want to 
fulfill on that. And part of that is the getting grounded that sleep is one of the most important spaces that we can begin from to then take on nutrition, um, fitness, and all of these other things very important as well. So with that, the science of time concept, um, chronobiology, one of the key frameworks that we're working from is understanding that there is a kind of hierarchy of time givers that we are exposing ourselves to environmentally throughout the day. And the top most important one being light and the second one being temperature and within nestled within temperature, all kinds of things that will impact our uh, bodily temperature from meal timing when we're eating our, our food, uh, when we're working out, also even um, uh, thought timing is a more interesting one, or I think a pretty interesting one, that there's even gadgets on the market uh, to actually impact our body temperature from our head or prefrontal cortex uh, because there's certain studies around as, as our anxiety grows that our brain tissue actually heats up. Um, so there's, you know, has us be a bit more responsible for our thoughts. Uh, and then of course our, um, uh, a pharmacological perspective of the timing of when we're taking certain medications or even supplements, um, can all impact, you know, our, our sleep. But if we get grounded in that framework of light being, um, kind of paramount and temperature being paramount, then we start to create kind of a blueprint for ourselves that has us focus less on, or this is what I have um, people at Sleep as a Skill do, focus less on the evenings and more on our days. And really from the minute we start, when you know, start our day or wake up, that we are training ourselves, one, to begin with sunlight anchoring and getting outside um, or at least having access to full spectrum uh, light first thing. And what that does from a hormonal perspective and also a timekeeper to keep us on track every day. And of course, all of this is with the rungs, um, overarching perspective of consistency. So if you're not consistent, uh, with all of the, those cues, then all of this is kind of for not, um, or it's going to take more, you know, uh, time to adjust. So what we're trying to do is one, get ourselves as bright of a, of days as we possibly can. Um, and then as dim of evenings as we possibly can, and then certainly to darkness for while we're sleeping. And while this sounds all strategic right now, if you just go back from an, um, a more of an anthropological perspective, this is what we would have naturally done without having to think about it. Cause we would have been living outside with nature much more regularly, you know? So in 2016, uh, the world health organization gave the stat that the average, uh, you know, this is in America, uh, was living basically indoors around 90% of their days. And wow. right. And certainly since, uh, COVID and a number of other things, you can make the argument it's probably even higher at this point. And so the reason that's important is that now we've kind of vacuumed ourselves into, um, very much like a, you know, zoo animal type environment. We're living within a couple mm. walls and then we're not being exposed to those cues. And when we would have been living outside, not only would the sun, you know, that light tell us that it's time to get up, the temperature, the rise in the temperature in the environment would also provide that cue. So now, um, since we don't have that, many of us are not going to move outside anytime soon or start camping lifestyle or whatever. Uh, then for the rest of us, then that means beginning to modulate our environments to mimic those rhythms of nature so that really this begins to be more auto set for us and less of something we have to like, okay, now it's bedtime and I'm not tired and what do I do and all of that strategy. 
Okay, interesting. And it's interesting that you you kind of talk when as soon as you started talking about light, I just naturally assumed, well, yeah, we're talking about just making things nice and dark at night time. But actually, it's you know, it, it's the exposure in the day, and and presumably from what you're saying, we're not just talking about exposure to light by being inside and having uh, nice bright rooms. We're talking about getting outside. So is that is that related to the kind of vitamin D and the skin exposure or that's an element of it or is it is it about the brightness itself how does what's the kind of keys there yeah so um it's it's a combination of both so one being if we think of uh our time our master clock so it's our suprachiasmatic nucleus in our brain is directly connected to our eyes so through that optic nerve um there is that connection that that is one of the most important cues that the body is looking for to judge what time is it and what do I need to do? Because the body is so concerned about preparing for anything that's coming. So if we have these hormonal um, cascades that happen, you know, routinely every day where uh, the design for if we're, you know, healthy functioning adults is that we wake up and then there's this rise in cortisol to kind of give us all the energy that we need for the day. Um, and then it like nicely kind of comes down like this nice bell curve in the evening. And then it, we see melatonin rise in place of that, um, or, you know, kind of, uh, in a dance with that so that then we can be relaxed and go off to sleep. But so for using myself as that example, when I was upside down on that, um, kind of scheduling my days, I would still be, uh, you know, having higher levels of melatonin in the mornings. So just dragging and dragging and I would have the dim lights. I didn't want to see all the light, uh, you know, cause I'm so tired. And then I'm not really turning on and getting ready for the, for the actual lights until it's getting dark out. So then everything was flipped upside down. It's almost like a shift worker. Uh, and right. so, and you know, I, again, I say that as a kind of more extreme side of the example, but I think many of us are doing that naturally uh, without thinking about it. You know, you're kind of, you don't get outside much, maybe to walk to the car or something, but besides that, um, you're not seeing a lot of sunlight for the average person. And then when the nights come, then you flip on all these lights that now really since the eighties switched over to more um, energy efficient lighting, which has a much higher spectrum of blue and green light in it. And the reason that that's important is it's just completely counter to anything we would have uh, really uh, received in history. And what that does is suppress the production of melatonin uh, in the evening. So what happens with that is then you're really struggling to even get to sleep. When you do get to sleep, the quality of the sleep is not to the level that we would like it to be. So that full spectrum light outside is very different because it's going to be uh, it's full spectrum. So you're going to have red light within there. You're going to have the entire cascade of um, results that come from that. So the body is actually queued up to then release certain hormones at certain times. And then when that sun goes down in the past, uh, you know, the sun would have gone down and the temperature would have gone down. So at the same time, those two cues would have said, okay, calm ourselves. And melatonin is known as the hormone of darkness. So that presence of darkness then would have created that cue to then uh, produce it to the levels that we need. Interesting, because I, I have to think of camping. The first couple of nights that I go camping, always, you know, you're just outside all day. And when you start relaxing at 7, 8 o'clock, you're sitting back and you think it's it's around 10, 11 o'clock. And you look at the time and you're like, wow, I'm so tired. And it's just because you've had all this outside exposure compared to before where you, where you were probably inside all the time. 
Absolutely. Yeah. There's actually studies, um, really interesting studies on camping and, you know, so taking people outside of, you know, removing, and you could certainly make the argument that there's all kinds of cofactors, you know, maybe you're not on your phone as much or this, that, and the other, but mm. by and large, you're nailing it in that the biggest part is that, um, that, that rhythm of the, of sun, you're so connected to that, um, as well as that temperature, the accompanying temperature change. So all of that just tells our body so that we don't have to think about it. We don't have to, Oh, what supplements do I need to get? Uh, all of this stuff. I mean, not to, you know, knock them. There are certain times and, uh, you know, there's elements for that and it can make a difference on the, the moving the needle. But the big element here is getting ourselves reconnected to those rhythms of nature. Something that I'm really going to pay more well I'm gonna do a lot more it's actually especially in the morning getting light because I don't think I'm doing that oh good it makes me so happy so a couple of things <laughs> with that too is um you know really advocating for pretty much you know burning our sunglasses um I used to be a big fan of sunglasses uh just from you know the coolness factor and <laughs> got to knock them because so a couple of things one um uh, it sounds so like basic why does that matter but um you know, if we're going outside and we have baseball hats, you know, sunglasses on, all, um, you know, sunscreen, all of these, it's actually impeding our ability to get that vitamin D. Um, and of course, I, I know when people hear that, and there's a lot of concerns around that. So you want to be smart and intelligent with it, but particularly morning light um, can be very rich in infrared light and people will spend a lot of money. Like I grew up, had psoriasis and the I used to get, um, the doctors would have me do infrared light to treat that. And yet you can go outside and for free, it's right, you know, readily available at both the bookends of our sunrise and sunset is where that pinkish hue is available. And that is more present in that infrared light. So, you know, getting at least, um, any, even if you go on, um, to kind of advice around, um, uh, being mindful for our vitamin D production, so much of that is important to achieve through sunlight specifically. You know, I know people will supplement, um, but there is some really important stuff there. And why does that relate to uh, sleep? Well, it's important for a really creating that cocktail of uh, of a response. So vitamin D then is important around um, generating for serotonin. And then serotonin is important for a generation process of melatonin. So they're all connected. And if we are deficient in that, like I'll have that with different clients, they'll do some blood work and we'll see low vitamin D, low magnesium, mm -hmm. you know, the series of things that then we can really address. And, and in terms of, um, the getting outside in the natural, a lot of people, and particularly now, I guess, looking at it's getting winter over in the UK, so darker mornings, people that have got to get up early commute, and then they're not necessarily, they may be getting into the office, at, and it's still dark, some of them, and, yes. and they're kind of staying there. It, are there. Are there kind of sleep aids, tech, and things that, that you would recommend, or is it firstly about just make sure that you get out and you get at least this amount of exposure to natural light and air and other things throughout the day. What's the, what would be your advice in terms of a habitual kind of approach for people that are struggling? If you were with a, with a client, maybe in terms of first steps, I guess. Yeah. Um, great point. So one, it certainly does matter where you are geographically. Um, I've had different clients that are in, say, like Sweden or Alaska or different spots where there's going to be really long stretches of time. It's total darkness, long stretches of times there's total light, and that can be real disruptive to sleep. Um, so then if you're in those extreme pockets, uh, then 
really getting connected to creating um, that environment that's going to work for our our pull, our push and pull of having light exposure and darkness uh, divided throughout the day. So you want to have a real strategy about that. But for the rest of us that maybe um, are just dealing with the, you know, yearly changes, uh, one, yes, you want to actually really prioritize the amount of time that you're getting outside for getting light, even if you are, you know, working within, you know, an office building, for those of us that are still doing that, um, you know, getting outside and, you know, periodically throughout the day is super, super important for the body. But also, um, I do know that there are times when people are, you know, they're sick, uh, they, you know, can't get outside. There can be... Um, that can warrant doing some of the light boxes, but I'd really, really, uh, you know, urge people to do whatever it takes to be able to get outside and get that natural light because nothing can really compare to it. So the amount of lux that's available with that, um, some kind of nerdy things you can do, but I think it really interesting is there's different apps that you can download that will show you the lux in your environment. So the lux output, um, so if you go outside and hold your phone and on a sunny day, you can just dramatically see the difference of the amount of Lux available in that, um, environment versus you go inside or go to like a Starbucks or something. And it's only maybe a hundred Lux or whatever it might be in your, um, indoor environment. Mm -hmm. So it's just drastically different. Um, and what we looking what we're looking to do is really have a very high ratio between the amount of light that we're exposed to during the day and the dimming of that light in the hours leading up to our uh, to bedtime. Uh, so we want to be really aware of that. And then the other thing is that even the windows that were windows can help make a big difference, but they still are blocking uh, some of that full spectrum light that is really helpful for health. So try not too much to rely on that. Although there are cool studies where even in hospitals, like patients are able to uh, get themselves, you know, their, their healing time is um, arguably improved if they're in uh, rooms that have windows so that they're okay. more connected to that rhythm. Do you have a uh, typical protocol for cell phones in the evening? Oh yeah, good call. So um, since you know we're we've spoken so much about that, getting lots of max amount of light in the in the daytime, then in the evening we want to start to have as much of kind of a digital sunset as possible. So ideal in the spectrum would be the sun sets and we kind of put away all of our tech. While I know that that's not realistic or not of interest for a lot of people right now. Uh, so if we're looking to kind of have our cake and eat it too, then um, there's different things that we can do. So like, um, you know, on the iPhone, you can set up red light filters that will turn your phone red, like for anyone watching the video. Uh, but if, if you're just listening on the iPhone, you can set, you know, color filters to make it uh, a red light on Androids. You can use um, an app called Twilight. So there's different things you can do to change the color. So you'll be surprised by even how much that kind of lowers the um, kind of excitatory experience that are the that addictive dopamine hit from all that blue light that we're normally staring into. Uh, also wearing blue blockers when we're you know, using our phone or the uh, TV or what have you can be, um, it's very important if we're going to be still exposed to that light. But, um, and then also, yes, really ensuring that one, we're being mindful of what we call thought timing. And so the thought timing that will result or re, um, be related to the type of content that we're consuming on our phone. So, you know, really 
starting to notice, okay, if I get stressed out on whatever it is, Facebook or something, uh, news certainly, uh, and other things like that, then we'll want to start to have real wind down times, but particularly about um, in anywhere from two to one hours before bed that we're starting to really just like limit that. And I will say that there is a range because depending on our levels of stress in our life, um, you know, counterintuitively, if we're really stressed out, we want to have less of that time on that device because uh, it's just more challenging for us to downshift. Interesting. And then what about light bulbs and things? Are you, uh, do you get to a certain time of night where you try and, I don't know, throw on the more relaxing candles or any of that good stuff? Or do you wear, you said about the, the, the glasses maybe for, for limiting the blue light. Is, are they strategies you employ yourself? What's, what's the deal with the kind of natural light? Because we, in the world that we're in now, it's just it's push the button, on comes the light, and wow, we're kind of wired. Yes. Totally. Oh my goodness. So, um, one, I had this great anthropologist on the sleep is a skill podcast, and he was speaking to, um, this challenge that he gives all of his different, he's also a professor and give these challenges to his students to do the candlelight challenge. And so once the sun sets, you only use candles, uh, for like a couple weeks and just about everyone would often fall off on this challenge. But for the ones that would actually stick with it, they'd be like, it's amazing. I get tired so much quicker. It's like so simple. Um, and I think something about the simplicity of this, uh, really one can speak to people of like, okay, that does make sense. But two, um, it's almost so simple that we have to like really strategize about it. Okay. How would this work? Well, I got to get a bunch of candles, like, <laughs> you know, and, um, but it really can be, uh, I think it's a really fun experiment, but particularly if you have some trackers. So I know I'm like knocking all of this modern day tech and saying that this is part of the problem of our, um, you know, the light environment and all this is part of the problem of sleep. But at the same time, I love my tech too. And, uh, I think that can be actually the way out of some of this. So I do really recommend that people get a solid sleep tracker so that they can start to gamify this. Um, and you know, I get a lot of really, uh, you know, biohackery types that are very much into, okay, so I got, you know, X number of hours of sleep and I want to really move those like up. It just, it can really help make it more of a fun process. So as it relates to that candlelight, um, I would suggest that candlelight is one of the ideal, um, you know, kind of places to begin. But if you're not still interested in that, then, um, you can also do incandescent lights. So those will have almost like those Edison bulbs, um, like romantic restaurants will have a very dim sort of deal, uh, something like that. And then, um, if you're not interested in that, you can also do red lights. Um, so kind of make it very like a red light district. Um, or you can also do, uh, if you were super kind of just lazy about this and not, uh, wanting to have to like switch on lots of lights. I do have some clients that are very into like the Philip Hughes and then they'll auto have circadian lighting and then it will just turn down at, in the evenings at particular times. Um, I will just say for those of us that are mindful of our EMF exposure, that might be putting more EMFs into your environment. So you want to, you know, think about that too. But, um, but ideally like the absolute least amount of light that you can possibly do, uh, you'll be shocked at the difference it can make about how much more automatically we get tired in the evening. Wow. Right. And in terms of the, the apps, is there a, is there a good one you recommend or are there, there kind of hundreds just get out there and do a Google search? Oh, for the apps for like the Lux 
Yeah, and 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 kind of monitoring your your sleep. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for the Lux one, there's a couple different ones. There's like My Lux and a couple others that you can. Um, and I think you only really need those for like, say, maybe a week or so to kind of almost just get yourself. Oh, wow, there is a big difference. Um, you start to just get that ingrained. But then, um, as far as the trackers, what I suggest, I have virtually all my clients right now in 2020 wearing um, Aura rings, uh, spelled O-U-R-A. And those are just helpful from a, they're just, uh, seem to be the most applicable for most people. They're easy to use, uh, great kind of visual design. You can see the trends, um, but also from a, um, health perspective, it's interesting for us to be able to pull from body temperature changes, uh, respiratory rate changes. I've had some clients be able to just from, because they were so outside of the bell curve on those numbers that on the respiratory rate numbers that they, it was enough for them to go get a sleep study. And then they found that they did have uh, mild to severe different people of, of sleep uh, apnea. And then you're also getting your heart rate and seeing the arc of that as well as your HRV, which is particularly interesting, especially for us kind of stressed um, people or anxious people. Uh, but really for anyone too, looking to improve their health. Uh, that's a great metric to monitor since it's really a readout of our autonomic nervous system. Um, so that's one. There's also, you know, BioStrap, there's Whoop, there's Dream. Uh, you know, Apple Watch has some elements of sleep, but uh, there's a lot. So I think it, that can be a great place to start because then when you're testing all this, it makes it more fun because then you can really see the results and the changes. Yeah, I like I like that actually. I think people could, uh, could definitely uh, see the benefits in, in, almost competing with themselves a little bit or at least people like to know these things don't they so to be able to track it and to be able to monitor it and see the improvements and things is is and like you say gamify it's it's actually a really uh it's an interesting way to to look at it so that's uh, it might be might be a good one for you ben yeah yes. i'm like yeah i'm i'm getting these tips uh already logged in my mind ready to good to, to, uh, and we'll definitely uh, some, uh, some of the links we'll we'll put some of the links to these things in there in the show notes so so light is important what are, so you mentioned temperature temperature are we are we cooler at night time obviously or well not obviously maybe cooler definitely seems to help me you know if i'm too warm then yeah same yes yes so we definitely want to our temperature we want to have again that um, really clear divide. So just like we said, really bright days and dim nights, we want to have, um, you know, warmer body temperature throughout the day. So active, moving, working out, also dealing with those challenging things that might be keeping us up at night and kind of um, warming up our body when we're stressed. We want to be dealing with all of those during the day, making that tough phone call, you know, whatever, doing our taxes, I don't know, uh, you know, all the things that might stress us out, right? Um, so we want to do all that during the day, but then in the evening, really cultivate that um, kind of nice downturn of our body temperature. What is important, I think one of the things that a lot of what really helps with these trackers, uh, especially ones that will track body temperature, is that then we'll see how much even just our behaviors will impact um, our body temperature and then our resulting uh, sleep. So examples of that, just the most ba basic examples is that the clients that I have that then say they get, they start using the aura ring and then they'll see, oh my God, when I eat late, even not like that much or nothing like, oh, it's not like a bad, you know, 
ice cream and whatever, uh, chips or something. It's, you know, just like a, oh, they eat something in the evening, how that will really bring up their body temperature while they're sleeping and how that mm. results in often more fragmented sleep or just they're more dragging in the morning. Also their um, heart rate goes up to, to really deal with that really, you know, digestion process is not, um, a low energy activity and so much of the blood flow that has to go to the stomach to deal with that. All of that is detracting from, um, something that's been more recent, uh, to be on the under, uh, our understanding known as glymphatic drainage, which is the drainage process in our brain while we're sleeping during deep sleep. And one of it really kind of requires a lot of attention because it's draining out really the waste products of the brain throughout the day. And the reason that that's gotten a lot of press now is that, um, there's certain studies that correlate that there could be a concern if you're not having adequate lymphatic drainage during the nights, then it can relate to Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia later on in life um, because you're kind of building up these hardened plaques. Uh, and so one of the things that detracts from the ability to do that is having to digest and do too much for the body when it's supposed to be restoring. Um, so that's even just some basic elements. Of course, the other big one that I think we probably all know, but it really hits us over the head when we're tracking is how much um, alcohol and caffeine will certainly change our body temperature as well as our uh, sleep results. So those are some of the things um, as well as, you know, exercise timing, um, yeah. you know, right. And, and the rise in your heart rate that that mm. can bring in. Also some of my big time biohackers are trying to push the envelope with temperature. So they might be doing, you know, the, uh, we were joking about Wim Hof earlier, um, you know, in a good way, like really positive, um, elements that come about from that, but it's cold therapy and heat therapy. But sometimes if we maybe do sauna, like right before bed, um, you know, the body, uh, the heart rate is really up pretty high. And so sometimes we want to strategize depending on our cardiovascular health around the timing for some of those things. So a lot of it just really takes like, uh, awareness tracking and then, um, experimentation. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. And, and on the food side of things, um, do you, do you kind of have a recommendation in terms of don't eat X amount of time before bed and, and how about fasting? Because, you know, intermittent fasting is becoming a big topic, from a not just from a kind of healthy gut point of view and and weight control etc but is that is that influential in this in this kind of sleep uh, approach oh yeah definitely um so it depends on how outside of the bell curve you want to be uh, i know i'm advocating for a lot of like weird things to do <laughs> you know candles and you know blue blockers and now i'm having you eat super early uh so what i um what i would say there's some interesting studies pointing to, uh, how we could look at what's known as early time restricted feeding. And so you're restricting, it's almost like the flip flop of what a lot of us have done with intermittent fasting. You're, you know, skipping breakfast and then you're backloading, you know, most of your meal for, uh, lunch and dinner, but this is kind of the, the flip of that. So you're actually almost skipping dinner, you could say. Um, and so there's a lot of variance on the timing for that. So some of these studies have people stopping around 2 PM and I have, I stop really early. Um, and I'm not saying that anyone has to do this, but I stop around like three, four, something like that. Um, no one has to take that as gospel or anything, but what we can start bringing in is testing out what happens when we stop eating around four hours before bed. Um, and often we see some really great results for people with their heart rate going down, 
um, really able to improve that quality of sleep, their body temperature going down. And then certainly on the longer, uh, on, on the side of fasting, then we, there's some really interesting stuff. Again, that's why you want to have ideally some metrics for yourself, because if you do say like a 36 hour fast, a 48 hour fast for many people, especially for men, um, they tend to have some really great benefits with heart rate, um, lowering during that time, HRV really, uh, improving, but you want to test it because it does, it is variable to each person and bio-individual. And for women, we just have to be a little bit more mindful, particularly um, if we're of, you know, uh, menstruating age. So there's different parts of our cycle that it's more challenging for us to do that, particularly the second half when our HRV tends to tank. Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's interesting how you mentioned about um, recommending, recommending some maybe weird or extreme things for people. It, it's, it, Yes. It's, it's it's interesting how our habits have kind of evolved to to be so unhealthy because we talk a lot of Jacob and I when we're talking back health and and exercises we've had people before that will say yeah I've just got no time for for exercises or and we'll say well get up half an hour earlier take ownership of your your problem and probably sure. the majority of people that you see if they're not biohackers they're people that have got a problem there's or, or yeah. do you see many people now that are kind of just saying do you know what i just want your advice because i want to take a proactive preventative approach because that's kind of the philosophy we're trying to i guess educate and encourage so that people prevent issues rather than just have to deal with a problem yes absolutely um and for that element of like, okay, this is too much. I can't do that. I don't have time for that. It's too out of the bell curve. Um, for to complete the the meal timing idea, one kind of um, softer one intends to make more sense for people or, or can land in a livable fashion is um, known as circadian rhythm intermittent fasting. And all that is is just really you're looking to primarily eat most of the bulk of your food within the hours of sunrise and sunset. And of course, back to that, hearkening back to that great example around camping, um, that's another thing that most of us would largely do. You know, the um, sunsets and beyond maybe like a bonfire and eat a little bit later that you're often tethered to when the sun sets, you're not doing too, too much. And from an anthrop um, ancestral perspective, then many of us, it would have been, you know, there's no refrigeration. You're not going for a midnight snack. Uh, you're not going to go shoot an elk or something while it's dark out. Uh, it's just very unlikely that you would be snacking and eating late into the, into the night. Um, so we're just trying to bring about a bit more of that and still be able to whatever watch, um, you know, Netflix or something and still have, you know, all of, have it all. So if you can just even do something like that, an app that's helpful for that to even just train is, um, called zero and they do some great work with helping to guide you. Um, also with that gamification element. Um, so it can geotag you where you are and see when your sunrise and sunset is and how often you're eating outside of that window. Um, and it's not like it's making it bad or wrong when you're doing that, but just starting to notice, Oh wow, I've had or always on the weekends, I start to really go later and interesting, interesting that I'm dragging by the time I get to Monday. Um, so there's a real correlation there. That feedback's really good. I, I just, I'm just wondering, um, what do you get a lot of people who are waking up tired? So they're sleeping, but they're not necessarily getting into their deep sleep. And do you have any tips there? Yeah. So, um, there might be people that, 
you know, like Ben and I were speaking about the anxiety element of things. I can't get to sleep. I, uh, you know, just like that heightened, you know, even just the seeing of the bed is stressing us out. There's other people that are like, oh, that's not me. Like I have no problem falling asleep, but then I'm waking up throughout the night and I can't get back to sleep. Or I just, I, maybe I'm, I feel like I'm out, but then I still, to your point, I wake up and I'm just like a zombie. Um, so one, there are certain things you can do. There's, um, uh, it's known as the Dutch test where you can check your hormones throughout the day and see if you're having, you know, kind of cortisol, um, how your cortisol and melatonin, uh, horm hormones are performing and see mm -hmm. if maybe there might be a little bit out of whack. So certainly when I was at the, th you know, peak of my insomnia, my cortisol was really reaching its peak state, like right when I was supposed to be, you know, going to bed to bed. And that's really challenging for the body to, to sleep when it's in that state. Yeah. Um, so so getting that awareness can certainly help, but also, um, getting at the source of, are you someone that then deals with those wake-ups and that's part of the problem with the tiredness. So there's a lot of, um, individual questions. Uh, so one thing that we often tend to assume if there are a lot of those wake-ups and that's part of the reason for the being tired, um, is that there might be some glucose imbalance. Uh, and again, there's a lot of reasons. I'm just talking about some of the common ones, uh, is so then we can, again, to bring in some gamification, uh, I'll have a lot of clients wearing continuous glucose monitors and then we can see, oh, wow, you're having a total, you know, mm. a really a drop, significant drop in glucose in yeah. the evening while you're sleeping. And then the body kind of, you know, creates adrenaline, uh, to deal with that because it's, you know, needs that energy. Um, and so that will cause a wake up and not only a wake up, but you're like awake. Uh, and so we can stabilize that glucose by changing things during the day. Um, then there's also a lot of other things that people might innocently do and not know is making a difference. So, um, I have a lot of clients that really rely on, um, you know, THC, uh, or certain supplements and some of those might be impacting the quality of their sleep. So like in the example of THC, they might have that before bed and, oh my God, it makes me fall asleep and I'm out all night, but then I still wake up tired. And so that can point to, you know, we're looking at, um, how that can impact the architecture or sleep architecture. And then if you're also just waking up really tired, uh, you know, some of the things like back to the simple elements of temperature, uh, they might be getting too hot throughout the night. And so the quality of that sleep is not great. So you might have people wearing, uh, using like a chili pad or bed jet. Um, and that can help really improve a lot of the sleep quality for a lot of people. Um, so it does take a lot of, uh, unpacking to see what's going on. Or if you're someone that's, you know, exposed to all this light before bed, and then your melatonin production is not so high, then of course the quality of your sleep that you're getting during the night is going to be uh, kind of lacking to where it could be. Great, great. I, I just want to know, do you have a sweet spot for vitamin D? Oh yeah, good question. So I really like to um, uh, err on the side. I know there's there's a lot of people that speak to sleep uh, optimization and they'll have a litany of different supplements and you know protocols around that, which I think can be great. And, um, I know that for myself, when I was really anxious and, you know, not sleeping, I was so desperately looking for like the pill that would make the difference. Um, mm. and, you know, and in this topic of, um, vitamin D, it really is super important. Many of us are lacking in that. Um, but I do like to have people begin with the, um, sun exposure and often that can make a dramatic, dramatic difference. And then bio individually, then we can kind of tweak things. Um, but often that is just 
really new for people because many of us are not spending that much time outside um, with, you know, without some sort of, you know, protectants and all these things that then, yeah, then cut into that vitamin D production. Yeah. The the other thing, you mentioned, Molly, about um, carbohydrates and, uh, or not carbohydrates, glucose specifically. And if glucose is low, then adrenaline is kind of triggered and that might be a problem with with sleep. I want to dig a little bit into the nutrition side of that a little bit because we know or evidence is telling us that the, the brain obviously needs glucose, but actually can also burn as a fuel ketones. Yes. So is there, is there kind of the keto diet is becoming kind of quite popular. Is that something that could be a consideration? Because if, if we're more fat adapted, then we're not going to have the problem so much with a dropping glucose if we can burn fats as a fuel maybe and therefore that adrenaline is is not triggered if that makes sense is that is that a kind of a a a topic of conversation around the nutritional aspect of of sleep oh yes definitely yeah um and it is interesting too because in that transition of becoming kind of a more uh you know fat burner um and that kind of adaption to that with uh going into ketosis more regularly then uh, there will be often, I will get people that are just beginning on the beginning trails of becoming, um, keto and they will be having sleep disturbances because all of this is very new to them, uh, and, and to the body. And it's kind of, you know, can freak out in the beginning anyway. Uh, and so that's another reason why I think it can be so insightful to measure because we can see what's going on for people individually. Um, but, one, we start to just see that often people, particularly if you're doing kind of uh, standard Western diets, are just on this surfing these crazy waves throughout the day of um, peaks and crashes of glucose. Uh, whereas yeah. to your point around, yeah, with um, say keto or certain things that are really looking to keep us more stable, if we're doing it in the way that it's kind of designed, uh, it can really help make a difference with that um uh, one, a, a less of the throes of all that anxiety that comes about from the highs and the lows uh, that we often are experiencing. So I look back to my life before all this, and I I know that I was just up and down and all around all throughout the day and how stressed yeah. that stressful that was uh, for the body and mind. And so, you know, how we can stabilize that throughout the day is going to be really insightful. But I think a lot of people, they listen and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm healthy. I just have a, I have a smoothie and I have a this and that. But then if for many of us, if we start putting on the continuous glucose monitor, that smoothie is often going to crazy spike us. You know, that little, you know, banana we have is going to go through the roof and <laughs> whatever throughout the day. Um, even if you're like, I'm not having a lot of sugar laden stuff. Uh, there's so much that we eat that turns to sugar. Uh, and that can really bring about the instability. A interesting book, uh, Why We Get Sick, is really helpful um, when you, if you are, tr- you know, beginning to look at this glucose conversation and uh, and are starting to use continuous glucose monitors to kind of make sense of all this. And it is an exciting kind of new frontier in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. in the past, so many people that wore these were, um, you know diabetic or pre-diabetic. And now we're having people that are really looking for optimal health wearing them. So now we're getting a whole new set of numbers um, that we want yeah. to try to aim for. Yeah, no, it's 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 really interesting, the, the kind of nutritional aspect of not just not just sleep, but, but health in general. I think it's uh, 
well hopefully you know we're we're seeing we're seeing advances and one day we'll see that as more of a prescriptive approach to to health problems not just with sleep but with so many other things because it it just seems so obvious to to a few but uh but we're missing the point i think a lot of people and, and back to what you said uh, a lot of people kind of make the assumption that they're eating healthily but actually they're not or it's not actually doing them the favor that they they assume it it will yeah absolutely and, and you know it's not to knock all of us it can be like a full-time job to if you're eating anything that's not just like from the ground or from you know just a natural thing uh then what's likely is often you can find some things that are going to spike you um and so it can be really just challenging and frustrating pe for people it's like ugh, why do i have to do all of this detective work you know yeah. just to not well, have I, the crazy results and, and because you know th there's so many um elements to this i mean one one thing i wanted to ask um just before maybe we give some some simple strategies as a starting point um is what about the kind of the, the stress element and work because that's something that I, i'm guessing for a lot of people is difficult to to control and um and is that something that you're even seeing as a common problem um uh, you know what are the the common findings that you're seeing obviously uh, the light the cold is uh, or temperature is is one thing is that is that a consistent thing or is is stress a big component for many people and what's the what's the kind of approach maybe for that Oh yeah, definitely. We, um, advocate something called the sleep tripod. Um, so, you know, and any tripod having kind of the functionality being intact of all three legs and for the three legs for sleep, we're looking for workability in our psychology, physiology, and environment. And there are oftentimes, so in the onboarding process for new clients, when we have them come through sleep as a skill, we have them do all these assessments in three of those areas. And uh, in the psychology element of things, I mean, it can often be very clear. People are going through divorce. Uh, there's been a death in the family. They just lost their job, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, it can be very obvious. But then often what seems to be particularly common too is um, just, you know, chronic stress that's just been around for so long. It's like their new normal. Um, so one thing for the psychological perspective is we do really advocate for taking action in those areas, um, that are keeping us awake. So we kind of have a inventory of, um, you know, 17 different areas of life and kind of a self-assessment. And we start to see like which ones are really out of whack, um, more than others. And if those are part of those, the element of the record player of thoughts that are keeping us awake at night, then starting to really prioritize and setting aside time to handle those as much as within our, um, capabilities during the day. But also I think from more of the, um, gamification perspective, HRV heart rate variability is so helpful for this area. Um, since we can often see when, uh, it's very basic because it's really complicated metric, but, um, if you're super kind of making it, uh, just simplified largely when it's, uh, lower on, on the scale, then that's where we're more stressed and, or sick or run down or just, you know, really need some res restoration. And then if it's higher, uh, for us in our baseline, then that can often speak to kind of, um, sufficient recovery, uh, you know, peace of mind elements of, um, you know, so the, basically representing that the nervous system isn't overly taxed. So when it can be awesome because it can help us day to day start to notice, Oh, okay. I'm starting to trend down. All right. I got to, you know, pull back a little bit, take some, you know, time, however that's going to look versus waiting it go months and months. And then suddenly you're like, I am 
stressed beyond stressed or depressed or anxious or whatever. Sure. Okay. Wow. Fascinating. It's, it's a, it's a fascinating, uh, subject. And like you say, so many facets of it. And, um, I guess for people listening, there's probably a little bit of stress in trying to, if you're, if you're suffering from sleep issues, a little bit of stress in trying to understand where my problem starts. Do you kind of advocate for just trying one or two things at a time rather than trying to change a whole host of things, which A, can be stressful and pressured in itself, but also you don't really know what's, what's making the difference? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So to simplify all of that, cause there is, there are so many habits and behaviors that we can take on to make a difference in our sleep. But, um, if, if we get nothing out of this whole conversation, I hope that it's, uh, one that we want to have ample light during our days. So first thing, so really switching our focus, at least this was way less, um, uh, activating for me because in the past, you know, when I couldn't sleep, it was all about the nights and how to make the nights perfect. And, uh, um, so switching that focus to my days and really living a rich, um, you know, kind of fruitful day, then that kind of took the pressure off of the nights. Um, so, nice. well, yeah, which was really, really helpful because it's almost kind of, you can almost get performance anxiety. You can almost say around the nights, right? Like yep. it can be a lot. So restoring that confidence for people is huge. And part of that can begin with, um, one, we want to get as much bright and natural light throughout the day as humanly possible and starting first thing. So, um, ideally, you know, even if you wake up and throw back the curtains, uh, get as much light, um, as is available. And then, uh, throughout the day getting exposed to that. And then, uh, also just mimicking that temperature. So if you want the blueprint of the, um, kind of what would make sense from a natural perspective, just trying to think back to like hunter gatherer days and how we can overlay that within our, you know, 21st century lifestyles. Um, so with that, you want to just make sure that you're building, you're bringing up your temperature throughout the day, even if you have to turn up the ambient temperature in your space during the daytime. But then once the sun sets, really lowering that temperature, both ambient style, but also just like all the things we're doing, the intensity by which we're, you know, living our days, calming and bringing all that down, uh, as well as the light factor. So just begin with the temperature and light element. Um, but I would also have us not snooze on that topic of, uh, the meal timing. It's really surprising how much that can impact just how we feel in the mornings. So if we can start just testing, moving that timing back. So even if you normally stop eating, whatever, two hours before bed, see what happens with three hours and then maybe, you know, sprinkle in some of the four hours, uh, and see what happens, particularly if you're tracking, but I would have people get a good tracker, uh, just because the, the way our lives are lived now is so exposed to so much that's outside of the natural bell curve of how we used to live. Um, so I think that that can help us get responsible for that, get more consistent throughout our days. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And, and I think, you know, that might for some people restore a little bit of confidence because it might be on occasion, you actually sleep better than you think you do, but you're in this pattern of thinking that it's it's terrible. And back to my story, I thought every night was terrible. And actually, at the end of of the studies, when all the exams were fine, I went uh, I went away for a break because I I just um, hijacked my mum and dad's uh, a break to to Scotland, lovely part of the world, very oh, nice. peaceful uh, little log cabin and a place where I've spent many a uh, fun childhood holiday and slept incredibly well and 
I turn up there and I'm terrible. Don't. Oh, well, <laughs> yes, in, I've been there. But then actually uh, one morning, my mum had said, oh, how do you sleep? How did you sleep? And I said, oh, it was terrible. It was, it was rubbish. And she said, well, I walked past your room uh, to go to the toilet and you were snoring. And that was kind mm. of, uh, oh, hang on a minute. So I did sleep. So maybe getting that feedback for some people that might be surprising that actually you're doing better than you think, just that alone might make you realize that, yeah, I'm doing better than I thought. And therefore it helps set you on a, on a better path, should we say? Maybe. Oh yeah. That's a real thing. Um, paradoxical insomnia is really interesting too, because you'll have people go into sleep labs and they, they'll just, they lay there all night and then they, you know, get up and speak to the, you know, kind of administrator of the test and see, see, oh, it's awful. I didn't sleep one wink. And then they'll show them the stats and be like, no, you slept here, here and here. Um, and it can be really helpful because I, I'm clear that that was an element that was at play for me. Um, I was, it felt as very real that no, I wasn't sleeping the, enti the entire night, not a wink, but it was really impossible for me to be able to then still, um, you know, actually move around, do things. Um, so I was getting some micro, you know, sleep. And so that does help restore your confidence that that is happening. Um, and then you can improve it over time for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, some amazing advice there and some great, uh, simple steps to make at least a start to yes. improve in your sleep for, for those people listening, for those people suffering or not even suffering, but just think, yeah, you know what I could, I could develop or, or implement some healthier habits and improve my sleep because I think clearly as with nutrition and other things, Taking a long-term preventative kind of approach to these things is clearly important, particularly when you mentioned the research around maybe cognitive degeneration, Alzheimer's and things that, you know, sleep could be, could be influential. And so don't just be complacent and think that you're, you're sleeping well, if you've got some habits there that, that are a focus that could be improved, whether it's playing on your phone or watching too much TV, et cetera, et cetera, then take some of this advice and, uh, and try it out. And if you are suffering and those strategies don't work for you, then, hey, give Molly a shout because she'll be able to. <laughs> well, and I will also put in, um, if you are suffering and those things are not, you know, you know, working for you, then uh, there's a bunch of different ways to begin with um, checking out sleepisaskill.com. We also have free downloadable PDFs um, called the Optimized Bedroom that, it, you know, strategic tips, uh, 18 strategic tips around both low and high tech elements that you can do to shift your space. Um, and so you can do that for free. You can also, that also signs you up for our weekly newsletter. So every Monday, send out if you couldn't tell, I'm a pretty obsessive personality. Um, so it's called Molly's Monday Obsessions. And so every Monday, you know, kind of what I'm obsessing about in the world of sleep and uh, health and wellness. So lots of sleep resources in that. Um, and then we also are launching a online uh, training course. We've been running cohorts for it all year. Um, and then previous to that, you know, doing small groups and what have you. But um, this will be exciting because it will offer more kind of lower price point options for people versus, uh, you know, the small groups or one-on-ones. So that's going to be exciting um, as well. And in this uh, and this world of uh, COVID still being October 2020 here and uh, still 
experiencing in these lockdowns, these virtual and uh, and online courses are going to be ever more important. And uh, geographically as well, then the access is is going to be there. So amazing insight, Molly. We really appreciate your time. Some uh, some great content there, and uh, we'll definitely share those links uh, to your social kind of media links and posts so people can find you there and find you on the website so uh they can take advantage of your knowledge and uh yeah get a better night's sleep because hey it's important and if you've suffered it like i have it's not a nice place to be so i'll be taking some of those tips and uh and implementing them so hey awesome molly thanks again for your time we really appreciate Thank it you, molly. Awesome. Thank you guys. Really, this was awesome to speak with other people that are clearly connected to their health and well-being and have been through, um, you know, the ringer with some of it too. And, you know, coming out and being advocates on the other side to improve it. So really important. 